if they said it's 20 pounds an hour, I'm going to think, well, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Because, you know, I might have valued that as a much greater outcome because the project might be so important to me. I'm going to be able to build my business up by perhaps 50%. Yes. So therefore I'm prepared to pay a proportion of that success to someone to help me get there. And that's where I mean about the value. And I will budget differently if I'm guided to budget differently. If someone guides me to budget on a per hourly basis, I'm going to be clocking up hours in my mind and trying to, how can I get it down by less hours? But I might fail as an overall project because of that, that word. So you can actually guide a customer to how can they create an effective budget that's very tailored to what they want to achieve. And it might not be even as much as they first thought. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal on what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Mike Maloney. Hey, hey, welcome back. I'm Clive Maloney and this is episode 34 of the Get Real About Business podcast. And today we're thinking about your pricing strategy. My guest today is John Wallace. John is founder of ts3.uk.com. He's a business enabler and advisor. And with 12 years experience in the field and a further 15 in sales, it's fair to say that John knows a thing or two about pricing strategies and business planning. A fun fact for you, John is a highly creative musician with extensive experience in musical composition, arrangement, performance and directorship. He's clearly a man of many talents. John is fast becoming a good friend of mine. We met some months back in Braintree in Essex. And when I heard him share his thoughts recently at an event about pricing strategy, I really wanted to get him in front of you and to share his thoughts. You see, the thing is, a lot of people fret about their pricing strategy. It's tough to know what your optimum price is. Compounding that, I often work with service providers, and particularly when they start out, they often really struggle with knowing how to value themselves and their own time. Quite often, people don't charge what they're really worth, and they leave a lot of money on the table. In fact, sometimes they can even put people off because their prices are too cheap. If you think about it, if he was to hire a solicitor and he told you his fees were £10 an hour, you'd probably think he wasn't very good. The same could happen with your services. And conversely, there are also people out there who are charging very, very high prices, but they're not able to express their value. And because of that, their prices are perceived as expensive, and then they wonder why they're not getting the sale. What John will tell you in this interview is that your pricing strategy is a comfort blanket, and maybe you should leave it at home. And although he doesn't advocate completely ditching your pricing strategy, he does suggest that it could be counterproductive sometimes. So what John and I talk about in this interview is how you can handle that conversation so that you get the most money on the table while leaving your client happy that they hired you. So this isn't about nailing your prospective client to the wall so you get as much money as possible. It's about charging for your services and your products in a way that better reflects the value that you offer. Before we do that, I want to thank today's sponsor and share this short message with you. Your website is the face of your business and the words you use matter. Make a great impression with professional and compelling copywriting by WordPerfectVA. Visit wordperfectva.co.uk 
forward slash get real for your free five page review. Okay, I really expect you're going to find this quite useful today. Loads of great tips from John. It did get me to reflect on the way that I hold conversations with people around money. I hope it will do for you too. If there's one thing I want from this interview, it's that you walk away feeling more confident about having a conversation with someone around what you charge and feeling able to ask for what you're truly worth. This is a fascinating interview with an experienced sales trainer and business coach. Let's dive straight in. Here's me talking with John Wallace. Okay, John, we had a really interesting chat the other day. We were talking about pricing strategies. There's loads of different pricing strategies that people are talking about now, what with sandwich pricing and and, uh, discount pricing and all sorts. But you've got a very different different outlook on it. Tell me a little bit about what that is, John. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting that because I think that when um, a business at some point when they start or when they're established, will feel the need to have a very, probably perhaps a very clear structure to how they're going to price their, their widgets, shall we call them. Uh, and that could be something as, as simple as we need to make you know, perhaps 15% margin or, or if it perhaps is, if it's more of a, a smaller business, they might say I need to earn X, Y, Z pounds per week to, to pay the bills. And that tends to be um, firstly, a bit of a, I think, a, a comfort blanket in some ways because it's predefined values. You know, saying about what you want to perhaps innovate, charge some of your services can be a little bit awkward sometimes. Um, so it gives you the reassurance you've already done the thinking, it's already there. Uh, if someone gives you, you know, a pricing question, you bang, you're straight there. You, you can think, ah, oh, I've got the answer. Um, but by the same token, it's a very restrictive in, in two ways. Firstly, you may not get from the customer you know, in, in, in cold terms as much money perhaps as you'd like. And secondly, it restricts the sort of conversation, therefore the uh, relationship you have with your customer, which actually is much more important because if they, you know, if you have a better conversation, a better understanding of them, and that's mutual in terms of the both way working, um, you'll find that you will perhaps be able to bring in the money, as it were, that you, that you think you're worth. Right, right, to a certain extent, if you've got a predefined pricing strategy, that might be restrictive. But the bit that confuses me is how do you decide what you're going to charge someone? Are you just going to make it up right there on the moment? Is that what you're saying, John? Um, not really, no. It, it, I guess it depends on, on um, I mean, if you're looking at perhaps time, which is, comes down to a lot of it is time, um, it comes down to how valuable it is, is, is worth your, what are you actually doing with that time? It could be you are using your skills, your knowledge, special research, find information out. Uh, it could be that you're looking um, to do certain things for them, which will take some of your time. But ultimately, the customer is not really concerned, I don't think, by how much time it's going to take you to help them. Ultimately, they want to be successful. So um, what, what I tend to say to people is like, understand what, what your customer is trying to do in their world. And success can be many things. It doesn't need to be you know, growing my customer base by you know, X percent or whatever. But there's a level of, of um, success that they want to have, things that good stuff that they like to have. And if you imagine that you're, you're, you're providing services, shall we say, um, that's clearly what you think you're providing. But actually, how you deliver that is actually much wider. And that's really, I think, where you know, this so-called adding value bit comes in. Um, so really what I'm saying in there is that you might have um, additional experience, knowledge, um, an interest perhaps, maybe about your hobby. But if you understand fully yourself, and, and if you go to the wider organisation, the people in your organisation, all of the skills and the knowledge and the, and the love they have and excitement they have for things, all of those things are potentially 
interesting and valuable and useful to your customer when they're trying to be successful. So if you fully understand the sort of things your customer's trying to do in their world, and that can be you know, a multitude of things, um, and you start to think, well, how can I bring all of my good things, all of my good stuff to their success? They will start getting very interested in you and therefore you'll be very interested in them because you'll be very inquisitive, I guess, through the conversations. Um, and I think it becomes, bring that back to the sort of idea of a pricing strategy or structure. You already have, it's very, very set. I think we all need to have an understanding of where we think we fit into the world. But if you have this idea that, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm 40 pounds an hour plus VAT plus a bit of markup or whatever you think it's going to be, you immediately start trying to justify, even subconsciously, that that's what the customer sort of has to pay. Um, and actually, they may be a very valuable customer over a longer period of time, but their budgeting might be very different than that, that predefined level of what you're going to price build your, your services up for. And conversely, of course, someone may have um, greater need for a lot of your good things, your, your, your value stuff we just mentioned. And they'll be very, very happy to engage with you on a different basis than perhaps you first thought. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you mentioned that because most people, it seems that when they start a business, they're told to work at your price and strategy. What you do is you think about what you want to earn and you work your way backwards. So if you want to earn, say, 100K a year, well, then you, know, you have to work out how many hours you're going to be working and you, you work it backwards and that becomes your hourly rate, yeah. which is okay in theory but really the problem with that is that one we might not believe in that number and the other is that we might be going the other way we might be selling ourselves short so the number seems somewhat arbitrary and the other thing as well is that that's the value that you place on your time because that's the value that you want to earn but it's not the value that a customer is prepared to pay that's a different conversation is it not well, I think so. I mean, I think in some measure we're all guilty. I, I hear this in both you know, my, my sort of social life as much as business life is that someone will say, oh, that's expensive or, or that's really cheap. Um, and I'm thinking, well, that, that's interesting because that's your view of the world. But if you have this idea that something is cheap or expensive or whatever way you, you sort of feel of it in your mind um, and you think that's what your customer is going to be also thinking, you're probably wrong. I mean, I don't know anyone um, that I know who would um, value um, things in life exactly the same as I do. Uh, I mean, I, I, I like my technology, I love my TVs and those sorts of things. And, um, and I would tend to spend like, more on something I perceived as being valuable to me in terms of you know, quality of vision. Um, and the same way if I was going to perhaps buy a camera, I'm no, great, <laughs> I'm no photographer, I would be happier with something which may be of less quality and have not, not budget the same. Um, and I think that idea of budgeting is actually really interesting because um, you often hear someone say, well, that's very expensive or, or they're feeling that's very cheap. They're going to buy it really quickly. Um, and you think, well, that's only really, I think, sort of valid if, if you know how they came about their budget in business terms. Um, we know that the, the, the budgets have to be set. Um, but I, I guess if you just relate that to perhaps how you think about you know, the world and how you tend to buy things is that... Um, if you really like something or think something's going to be good for you, you know, bring you your success in your world, you tend to make the budget available for it, if at all possible, or you'll delay buying it so you do have the budget, or you'll find a, a financial mechanism, you go and borrow some money, or you'll take a credit, or, but you'll find a way of owning, owning that thing or that service because you value it, because it's important to you. And, and businesses tend to be the same. 
there might be process behind it. Um, it might be committees. There might be, you know, there might be um, executive committees or there might just be a partnership uh, or it might be a single owner. But either way, the budget tends to come from how much someone thinks they need that, that service, that thing in their life, in, in their world to be successful. Okay, so what you're advocating then is that you set a price based on somebody's perceived budget or perceived value of what they're prepared to pay. Does this work for everything? Does it work for products? Does it work for services? You know, where, where will this work? Okay, um, the, 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 way, the way I tend to approach this is, is to say to anyone with, with, with a pricing structure or not, be it now that they're going to sell um, some, some very defined things, I say it's a very price-driven market. I say, if you just put that to one side, and pretend you didn't have that, what would you do differently? How, how would you talk to your customer? What would you, what would you like to know about them? And if you had to delay, you know, fictitiously, that, that answer of how much um, is it going to cost me, and you, but you couldn't tell them because you didn't have a price, you'd have to, have to find other things to talk about, i.e., well, what do you want to do with it? Uh, how are you going to use it? Um, that, 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 those, those sort of questions. You start to put a much bigger picture. So, and what's, what's the greater context? Where are you trying to be successful? Are you growing your business? Are you, you know, what, what exactly are you doing here? And if you, if you understand the, what I call the total cost of ownership. So by someone wanting to be successful, they have to do a number of things in their world. They are yeah. going to have to invest of themselves. That could be time, money, people, resources, all sorts of things. Um, and in the same way that you will commit uh, resources to making them successful, helping them. And it's that partnership. So when you come to understanding the, 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 the role of, of the payment they will make to you, the context, I think, is one of that wider sort of cost of ownership of doing that thing, that doing the great thing that makes them successful. And you're part of that. You're part of that. Um, and, and therefore, if you say to the customer, let's understand the totality of what you're doing here. What are we both going to invest to that? What are the you know, things that, how you can adjust success? What things do you need to achieve by going through this, 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 this um, project, should we call it, this thing you're going to do to be successful? And if you get those all written down and say, so if we do those things together, are you happy? Do you want to do that? It goes, oh, yeah, yeah, well, that's what we want to do. Then you have an understanding of how you, what resources you're going to bring. Now, some of it could be, you know, you might have to go and buy things into resources, you know, subcontract or go and research in your time. Other things might be very deliverables. And things might be actual things you're going to physically go and to get. So there's a combination of, you know, value and, and cost and all those things which you're going to incur to be help the customer be successful. Yeah. And therefore, when, you, when they say, you know, ultimately, shall we go forward? And yes, there's going to be a fee involved. They understand the totality of it. And so depending on, on what you've decided, you know, because you can test through this, through this conversation how they're thinking they're budgeting. Because you might be able to say, well, if we're doing all those things, where you were going to spend money in this direction, really, you could spend it better in this direction. And so you start to create with them a budget that, that fulfills what you're trying to achieve. Because ultimately, you know, you can always get it cheaper. You can always get something cheaper. But will it do the good stuff they want to do? If not, it's not very good value to them. And we all have a value proposition in our mind, I think, most of the time. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that we'll just nip down to perhaps the pound shop and think everything there is worth the pound. You know, we would, we, I'm sure we would, we would have a chat. We wandered around. I mean, to, to, to keep the pound, they, they now reduce the size of their packaging. So they actually might have three things rather than four things for the pound. So the value of that has gone down to the pound. 
but it's the value has gone down because you've got less less things in your bag. So all of this actually happens at whatever cost level. I know the, 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 the higher levels or the lower levels of service and provision, you can always buy it cheaper, but are you actually getting the same thing? And I think this goes back, interesting to my mind, as to what we first discussed, is all that good stuff about you. You might be selling that, that, that widget, but actually the customer's buying a lot wider than that, more of you, more of your business. And ultimately, that's how they're viewing the value. So uh, I, I think that, that tends to be how I would tend to approach that, that thing. Can it be used? Yeah, certainly you can have some pricing structure. But if you didn't, you have to be highly skilled at call, you know, talking to a customer and really helping them understand the scope of what they really need to be successful. Yeah. If, if you do that and have a pricing um, strategy, shall we say, you, you really are quitting. So really what you're saying is that it might be good to have both, some kind of pricing strategy. So you've got things kind of worked out in your own head. But actually a lot of this, by the sound of what you're saying here, is it's about kind of having the conversation to discover the total cost of ownership, as you put it. I love that expression. Total cost of ownership. So we know actually what's it costing someone to live with the problem or the challenge, the issue that they've got right now. What are they prepared to do to, to get that solved? Yeah, very much so. Um, and that is, that, this, this is actually very scalable, this, 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 this idea, because people often say to me, say, oh, that's only for big companies, or oh, that's only for small. Actually, it is the same thing, because um, if you're talking to a potential you know, client or customer, I'm going to call them, and they say they want to be successful by you know, doing some, expanding their business in some way or running a project, if you start to talk to them, what, what are they going to invest of their own time uh, what skills do they need to bring to this project from theirs? It could be knowledge. It could be knowledge of their customer. Because ultimately, if you help them make their customer successful, so it's the customer's customer successful, you're yeah. really engaging with their business. Because if they make their customer successful, they've got to be successful by delivering into that. And ultimately, you'll be very valuable to them because you're enabling these things to happen. Um, and so when you're talking about a project, uh, you, you, you might not say we're going to spend this amount of hours on it. Well, who cares? Because um, if those hours aren't very valuable, they're just costly hours. But if those hours are bringing true knowledge to experience of you and your team, and they need to also bring that knowledge, experience, and, and knowledge particularly of their business to, to the project, that's a highly valuable project to them. Um, and it's, yeah, and that's very different than just going at the up front where it's going to cost you £20 an hour, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I would rather spend an hour with a world-class expert than several months with somebody who's just kind of figuring it out. Um, yes. yeah. So it, you're right. It's not about the time. It's about the value that someone can bring. And the trouble is when we start talking about time, and uh, this, this is what I try to encourage people to get away from, is charging by the hour. There, there is a place for that for some people. But mostly charging for the hour is uh, just a way of getting people to think about like what's the value of your time versus the value of their time. And most people who are going to employ you are probably employees in a business. So they're going to be at a different rate because you're going to have to charge all your own costs and everything on top. So mm -hmm. it's not comparable. No, very much so. And if you are talking to a business owner, they recognize that. If you're talking to someone perhaps on an executive committee, they understand that because they're not paid by the hour. They understand that, for their business to run, there are certain elements within their own cost structure, which may be built, built out like that. But typically, a, a lot of people are a, not like a, no, a sunk cost. So we know that you know, Joe over there or, or, or Mary over here 
has, has a sort of a cost. And what they try to do, they, they maximize that resource in their business. So they're used to doing this. They understand that, you know, by effectively using the, these, the skills and how they build perhaps agile-based teams to do internal projects, they're going to, in effect, create better value for themselves. So when you talk to them in these terms for this greater project, you're going to become part of their greater team. They already think like this. Yeah. They're not thinking that to have Joe on, onto, the, onto the team would cost X amount of pounds per hour. They're not thinking that anyway. No. And I think if you start um, uh, going down that line, you start demeaning your value in, in the greater team because you're, you're, you, you, if you're thinking I'm 20 pounds an hour or whatever it might be, yeah. they start to see you as a 20 pound an hour resource. And, exactly. they don't think and, and they think, well, that, that, uh, Joe's worth more than that in my team, and he makes the team. You know, literally, that, that stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, um, that as, as we know, I mean, if we, if we, were, if we sat down to um, bring in different people who say they do the same thing, this is what I find interesting, perhaps, no, perhaps like that, web, web designers. So they all come into the room, they sit in front of you, and they're going to say, we design webs. And if they all start talking, we're 20 pounds an hour, 10 pounds an hour, you start thinking immediately through their guidance on a cost engagement with them. How much is it going to cost me to physically pay them? But if one of them was to start talking about what I was trying to do and my success and the value that they bring because of their greater team, they say, oh, that's interesting. You said that you're interested in this area or you're doing this with your business. We have some skills and you know, Dave, he's really into that. He actually, that's, that's his thing. He's, you know, he's a great expert in that subject. So when he engages with you in this specific part of the project, I'm going to think that's valuable. Dave has got value. And he's going to get Jane to do this and then whoever are bringing resource and skills to the project. I don't want all their time, but I'm very happy if my, my person that's going to provide services is bringing these specialist resources in some part to my success of my project. Now, I'm going to value that very highly. If they said it's 20 pounds an hour, I'm going to think, well, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Because, you know, I might have valued that as a much greater outcome because the project might be so important to me, I'm going to be able to build my business up by perhaps 50%. Yes. So therefore, I'm prepared to pay a proportion of that success to someone to help me get there. And that's where I mean about the value. And I will budget differently if I'm guided to budget differently. If someone guides me to budget on a per hourly basis, I'm going to be clocking up hours in my mind and trying to, how can I get it down by less hours? But I might fail as an overall project because of that, that word. So you can actually guide a customer to how can they create an effective budget that's very tailored to what they want to achieve. And it might not be even as much as they first thought. Yeah, absolutely. This is all about the value of the transformation itself. It's not that they're paying you for a tie, they are paying you for a transformation, whether that is to increase their sales as a result of an improved website or increased traffic because of better SEO. It's that transformation. And that's what people are really paying for. We need to move away from this. Well, you're buying my time. Well, you know, they're not really interested in their time. They think they're buying your time, but actually what they really want is that transformation. Yeah, I, th I think that's very true. I mean, the, the, the other part about this, you see, is it's not, it's not just the money transfer in hands. That's obviously important. That, that's the business bit. But ultimately, it's, it's a crowded market for, for businesses out there anyway. There's people saying they're doing very similar things. They might say the same, they're not, but they're very similar in the customer's eyes. <clears throat> and so if you go through this process, not only are you establishing that value, but you're actually, in effect, locking out your competitors from being able to do what the customer sees you're going to do. 
because you've actually brought in these, these very special elements of you and your world and your business and whatever that might be. You're bolting those in. And when a customer says in their own mind, that's valuable, these are actually hooks. Um, so it always fascinates me when, I, when we get onto the um, area of unique selling points. I think that's very difficult to have a USP. This was no, the thinking no, from quite a few years ago, really. It just struck me that having a USP is actually very difficult because mostly people tend to have a very similar view of the world. And the amount of people, when they tell me what they do, I say, why you? They tell me the same things as someone else tells me, but they actually think this is unique and it just isn't. So where I come from with them is to say, well, if you are actually now understanding your, your, your good stuff, which is you called it USPs, they're not, but there's just good stuff about yourself. And when a customer identifies that your good stuff helps them be successful, they will actually lock with you and say, that's a value. And if you actually agree that's a value with them during the engagement process, and you get one after the other after the other, what you're actually doing is locking in this, this customer to you and you to them, it's a bond. And that's quite difficult for them to walk away from when you say, well, as part of the investment, you're gonna bring all this resource to it, I'm bringing all this resource, and there will be some money coming my way, which is X amount of pounds. This is much lower on their thinking. And they, you would have guided them to budget for it. So actually, when you get there, they're not going to go, oh, how much? I can't afford that. Or that's more than I was thinking because you've guided them. They know they've got to budget for this because they want to be successful. And by the way, the competitors aren't really getting a looking by now because they're actually buying from you. And we've, we've transitioned at this point from you selling to them because they're now buying from you. And if someone's buying from you, they're not that concerned necessarily to the same extent of the money that will transfer to you because they budgeted for it and they understand it. Yeah, take me through that again there, John. How do I go from selling to someone to someone yeah. buying from me? Okay, so it, I think what tends to happen when you, when, when you know you're being sold at, you'll find that the person has pre-decided um, the sort of things that you probably want to buy from them. They may have a target. They have an idea of what they want to sell. So they're coming from it from a, a them viewpoint. Yeah. Uh, they got their, they got their pricing structure. So the, the value is predefined. They have decided the sort of things you're going to have. They packaged up what they do into bundles maybe. And they may be starting with perhaps a free offer or a 10% off bargain to start you off sort of thing. So they're thinking they've got to overcome a, a cost barrier of the person they're talking to. They're already from that viewpoint. Um, and therefore, they will tend to push out to you. They'll drop ideas. They might actually say, oh, smart people do this, or you think that. And they're sort of trying to get you to think as they're thinking. Whereas if you are going to encourage someone to buy from you, you don't have that. You, you park that to one side. And yes, of course, there will be a level of transaction. That's a given. The person you're talking to also understands that. They're, they're an adult, you know. Um, and you just, you know, you ask them. You're inquisitive. What does this mean? How does that work? Why are you thinking that? Would this be a good test idea? Don't tell them, test that idea. Well, what do you think about this? How might you go about that? If you went this way, what outcome do you think might happen? You're building a very good understanding of the person, very, very good understanding yeah. of them and their world and their, their, their view of success. You'll understand how they're going to create money, a budget to pay someone, and it might not be one person because they might need five different things to come together and to make them successful. You might be one bit of that. But if you understand the totality of it, you might go, actually, I do three of those things. So suddenly you've, you've broadened the potential of what you might, 
the money might come to you because you're three times the value maybe. Okay. So uh, by going through that process, then, you're, then the customer's then interested. You're interested in them. They feel that you know, they're bonding to you. It's, it's a value thing going on here. And that you will find they'll be because they'll ask you, when can you start? When can we do this? How do you do it? They'll be asking you about this stuff. And you'll find actually, you know, taking from you statements. They're, they're now making those links of your good stuff to what they need. They're bonding, bonding, bonding. And you'll find that they will ask, sometimes they ask you, how much should I budget for this? Great. Which is a very difficult question to say, how much is it going to cost me? How am I going to budget for it? Because they want it. They want to make sure they can resource it. And it might be then you scale up and down or, or segment what they need in the timeline for them in relation to when they have the money coming in. Because men have it all in one go. doesn't mean you're expensive. They just haven't budgeted properly yet. And this, this is how it works. Um, and therefore, you transition very carefully, very succinctly, in a really, really warm way to this other world where they're buying from you. And we've all experienced it at some point, it might be luck, but it actually it isn't. You may have done something different with one customer that meant they bonded and therefore wanted to buy from you. Uh, and you'll find that the, 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 the conversation about the transaction of money, the cost, the pricing structure is much, much lower. And sometimes not mentioned, I mean, one of my clients I was working with um, not more than a couple of weeks ago was that we went through this, this transition, shall we call it, of thinking. And during the course of the meeting, because I was actually at the meeting, they they said let's go ahead and the 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 money transaction hadn't actually been discussed but they committed they committed to go ahead and, and i thought that was quite interesting okay well that that's great if we can get to that stage there and assuming that when you did bring out the money that wasn't a problem and, uh, but i think you're right you people have to buy to you first of all and if you're offering mm. something that's absolutely based around what they need because they've told you, you've had that conversation, then I think that you're onto a winner there. Now, I can see this working for projects. I can see this working for services uh, because essentially what you're able to do is kind of say, yes, well, I can do this for you and I can do that for you, all based on that discussion about what is important for the customer and what they are experiencing right now. Will it work for anywhere else? So I can't, you know, I can't imagine it would work for SAS, like um, software as is services or products. Am I right in that, or could it work there? No, very much so. It, 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 the, the principle works. I mean, if, if let's take um, let's, let's make the most basic um, transaction, shall we say, in a shop, very okay. in effect functional. Yeah, it's so on the I'm shelf. Yeah, I'm going to buy a Mars bar. Okay, so you walk into the shop, and um, now I'm selling Mars bars, but you could buy those other places. So it's quite competitive, you would say. Um, imagine I'm the salesperson, I'm the Mars bar, um, and I say, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a Mars bar, and it's going to be fifty p. Uh, and you're like, oh, that's a bit expensive. I've, I'm now on the back foot. I've said it's 50p. If I just had it there and I spoke to you about having, you know, generally having a nice day, why, why are you in here? What are you up to get? Um, what, what do you like about sweets? And what, what's, what's your favorite? Why is that? And I start talking to and asking you, you know, about flavors you like, textures you might in your mouth, when you're going to eat it, why are you going to eat it? Is it for you, for someone? If I just start building an understanding of that, uh, and you start to think, yes, yeah, it's good. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm then saying, well, no, this does it or this doesn't. Or have you considered the Mars bar extra? Because, you know, you start to make a connection there with, with what, they, they, what you wanted in their world of success, which is a you know, nice flavor and yum, yum, yum. You will find that when the, 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 the dreaded price word comes up, as it were, the person's already sort of bought it, enjoying that experience of owning it. And then they'll tend to, they'll tend to be more likely to take it from you 
and from you rather than the shop down the car road you know because they're there and then you know you've, you've made a connection with them and who knows whatever you you've discovered but it's the same process i mean i remember going into buy a um the good old days of video recorder would you believe and uh, uh, i think it was curry's or one of those sorts of shops and this um this salesman was said, you got this one or that one, that one. I said, well, I'd like to see them going because again, I'd like to see the quality because they're not all the same. They're all different. Um, and this guy goes, oh, okay. So he rummages around and, and, and plugs the things in and the lights come on. And I go, great. Which one's going? He goes, oh no, I plugged them in. He thought turning them on would be enough. I said, well, why should I, what's the difference between this one and that one? He goes, 50 pounds. He literally said, and I was like, uh, no, I want to know no, in relation to what I want, what would these offer me to meet my need? He had no comprehension. And we find a lot of this in shops. People look at there, they look at the products, they're not that knowledgeable on them, so they don't actually know the value of what's sitting in there. The price is predefined, so they feel this is now we mentioned before about the comfort blanket. The salesman in the shop has a comfort blanket because the product sitting behind the shelf of him is already predefined in value. He doesn't have to justify it, he doesn't think. He thinks someone knows the price. Well, of course, in terms of transactions, that is actually a suggestion to the person to make an offer. And when yeah. they go to the till and say, here is the £300 for the video recorder, they're in effect making an offer which the shopkeeper accepts. So, so really, the, 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 that, that's, why the pricing, that's why the pricing manual, which in effect tends to make someone very lazy in their desire and need and actually really the customer service to learn about the customer and look after them and make sure this really is the right recommendation for them. And it doesn't happen that often as we know. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about this approach is it is all customer centric. It's ceased to be in product or service centric It's now customer centric. Um, and then as any good salesperson should is then about simply matching their wants and needs with what you can provide. Yeah. And so it should be a simple conversation. But where do people go wrong? I think it's um, often lack of confidence, uh, a lot of a lack of um, I call them communication skills. I mean, when I when I work with with with, with people and businesses at all different levels, it doesn't have to be you know, any particular level. But typically, if someone's going to be more successful, I think they they if they understand that the potential customer wants to have that engagement, that wants to have a good conversation. If they, for example, go chatting off in a certain direction within the conversation that's sort of outside of the, the you know, where, where you were going to discuss, it's okay to bring them back and say, no, in a nice way, let's discuss this. And there's ways of doing that. But the skills that people have or, or perhaps don't have to do that successfully um, is, is an area which I guess, you know, someone like you and me will, will get involved. We can guide someone as to how to work with the customer to get the best outcome. Because as we would know, if we're trying to buy something and, and we don't know much about the subject or we have a predefined idea of what it could be, when you talk to someone who is engaging and, and guides you back, you actually get more from the conversation anyway. So you feel happier. You feel loved. You feel like there's a bond with the person who's actually truly helping you. Because I haven't got, they've got no preconceived idea as to what you should be buying. And, and, and they can guide you to what things you should be looking for in, in the wider context of the total cost of ownership. Have you considered by that might appear to be, you know, you know perhaps suitable for all sorts, whatever reasons I perhaps I thought it was. But someone says, actually, had you thought about this? You said you wanted to do this in your world to be successful. This will bring you there faster or quicker or you know, whatever the criteria is. 
and it opens the whole conversation up. So guiding, having the skills to have a good business conversation means you actually have a better sales position as well if you want to be in those terms. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, so I think in terms of why people don't do this, they're not, um, they, don't, they, they, they don't feel empowered because they don't have the skills. They have a pricing manual, as it were, so they sort of already feel the values there. So they're, they're hiding behind it. They feel a bit, you know, can't go away from that because it's what we always, in fact, someone said to me today, we've always done it like that. I thought, well, that's no reason to carry on because if you didn't do it like that, you would have a different outcome, a better outcome, I believe, but you would have a different one. Um, so it's this skills level and confidence and lack of knowledge of understanding that the customer wants that better conversation. They want that better meeting with you. They really do. Again, a really important point here because, uh, yes, confidence is huge. Yeah, if you don't have the confidence, then whatever you say, whatever words you portray, then it's likely to get a sharp very weak and your customer's not going to believe the value because you don't seem to believe the value. But yeah. I think the other thing is as well, and this is something that I remember learning a long time ago with, with um, my coach, is the importance of kind of having a structured and led conversation. I don't mean necessarily led in terms of going through my products or services or the, you know, the, the pros and cons of things, but it's actually just being able to steer a client through the discovery process of working out what they want and need, and then looking at you know, sort of skillfully leading people through that, that, well, let's call it a selling process. But as you say, sometimes you might have to bring them back on, on track. Sometimes they get distracted with things. And, and if you don't get to the point as well, what you end up is, you know, you'd have spent, say, 40 minutes an hour with, with somebody. You still haven't got to the pricing point. The customer then looks at their watch and says, oh, dear, I've got to go now. And that's it. You've lost the sale. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I think one thing to be very mind, executives, um, be it a business owner who is an executive, to an actual executive in, a, in a, perhaps a large organisation, is paid to make decisions. Yeah. And, and therefore, they want to, they, they need information and knowledge to make a decision. So if you are a, a person there who, who, who's talking at them, so we say, and that's, that's in this, this, I'm selling, you know, I'm, I'm a salesman, I'm selling. So you tend to talk at someone. Um, and, and to a certain extent, you, you ask a few questions and immediately bang, you're trying to sell on that answer they give rather than have a business discussion. As you say, structure is really important. I'm always harking on about the, uh, um, uh, I have a formal or informal agenda the countries you pre-agree uh, and there's a skill in actually creating and, and sticking to that as yes. you want to just saying I'm going to have one because you can sound very robotic so again we know that there's going to be methods and ways of actually having great conversations but in effect you have a structure and the customer uh, is actually reassured by process to some extent because they, they, they know that they're being they're, they're listened to you're guiding them your your knowledge your experience your good stuff is coming into context for them personally uh, and I think at that point, they feel very, very comfortable. And it may be they can't make the decision there and then. It doesn't mean they're not going to you know, work with you. And so there are things you can do to actually um, move forward with the customer in the way that they want. And, and again, using this process as well, you, you, can, you can start to understand when they might buy and why. So therefore, you, you're, 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 like, you're less pushy, you're less forceful, you're, you're, you're in tune and in line with them. This is just great business. Why would you do it any other way? You, you know, why would you do it any other way than be completely in line and in tune with your customer? Because then they're in tune and aligned with you. Any other way is you selling at them. Push, push, push. I am sales. I was always told in my very early days, remove your sales stick and put business across your head. Then 
you will have all the success for on your on your customer will have the success with you. And I think that's actually the, some of the it's the confidence of knowing that's actually what's going on in the in that in that relationship in that conversation with the customer. That's a top tip there. I love that. Remove the sales sticker off your head and put business on instead. Mm. Uh, so I love that. Very visual as well. And uh, you're quite right. If we get away from the sales bit, which a lot of us feel quite uncomfortable about, and yeah. it all seems to be about like getting somebody else to buy something that you're trying to sell um, <laughs> yes. rather than just matching up services with wants and needs. Um, you know, it's all perspective, isn't it? But I, I love this thing about like, should we just do business? Oh, completely. Yeah. Because the thing is the person you're talking to is, is, is an adult. They understand. It's like no, the game of sales. It just means that people are trying to be successful. So if you go back to your customer, look at it through your customer's eyes. They want to be successful. They're viewing you and your business or whatever that might be as something or someone who can help them be successful. Yeah. That's all they want. They did not wake up in the morning and go, I must speak to John about those widgets. It never happened. It didn't happen. And never will happen. They're looking to do good stuff in their world. And success can be a whole myriad of things in their eyes and it's just being in line and in tune with that and then you'll have some success with them and yeah. their success truly is your success and if it's not as big as you thought hey that's life but actually they're going to value you and they will come back and they'll come back and guess what suddenly they're a valuable customer that's how tesco views the world um you know we, we might think we spend 20 pound a week in tesco's or whatever asda or something yeah. Um, they don't view as that. They look at the, the lifetime of, of you of buying stuff from them and they invest in you. You might not think they do, but they sort of do with that totality of thinking that they view you as a hundred thousand pound customer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we hear about lost leaders all the time and typically that's milk and bread and certain, certain items that they, they, they're prepared to make a loss on because they know the total cost um, the, the total value of you as a client is worth way more because you're over time, you're going to spend a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're right. We all need to see it like that, that, um, you know, it sometimes is worth taking a hit early on. If you know that you're going to keep someone, if you're going to retain them for longer, if they're going to spend more money later, it's, if mm -hmm. we need to get out of this, like what are people going to pay now and more of what's the lifetime uh, customer value? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is all about having a conversation. What you're saying is that don't necessarily not have a price list. But um, because that might be a guide. Is that right? Well, ultimately, yeah. I mean, the, the, you have to have a, a basis on which you might you know, value to some extent. But it shouldn't limit the conversation you have with the customer. You should almost not pretend you don't have a price. I mean, yeah. sometimes people say to me, or you hear people say in a sales situation, oh, but what happens when they ask for the price? I say, well, depending on where you are in that business conversation, you'll know how to handle it. If you feel a bit awkward, it's too early and guide the customer in conversation as to why you're unable to give them, you know, perhaps you might want to suggest a range. And actually, rather than how much it's going to cost me, you could say, you know, well, I think you need to be budgeting in the region of. And then you carry on with your conversation. Okay. So that's so interesting. You're guiding them. You're guiding them. Yeah, I was going to ask you, when do you talk about price? Usually the customer wants to talk about it way sooner than perhaps you might want to mention it. Yeah. Um, but they want some reassurance. So do you, you do it at the start, middle, the end? Like, give us some guidance on this, job. Well, I guess um, depending on whether you've done something similar with the customer, because sometimes you haven't, but if you've done something similar, then you can say, you can explain to the customer, well, we haven't fully you know, understood 
how you're going to be successful in the totality of this. So all the resources you're going to bring to that, because we don't fully understand that, but we would normally get to that point. But because I'm, you know, I'm keen that you understand the sort of budget that I'm just going to pay, the sort of budget you might need to um, be thinking of, yeah. similar um, projects that we have run have ranged between that and that. Then you can say, how are you budgeting for this? Okay. So we don't really know. You can say, well, that's great. We, through the conversation, we're going to help you do that. Is that okay? Yeah. Bang. You're off again. You're off and running again. Uh, and that's a, that's a good business way of dealing with things. It's just good business. Yeah. So that's price framing. It's price framing to some price extent, but you're setting expectations. They understand that there's a range because clearly whatever they want is going to fall on that range somewhere. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to what they want. Because the thing is, I say, if you understand the, the, the success they're trying to have yeah. um, and you don't know how, how much they value you yet because you haven't established and they haven't told you the good stuff and how it links into their success. Secondly, there could be a whole range of products and services, should we say, which are going to bolt into their success, um, of which they will have to also allocate some level of budget and money. Now, if you find that you tick more of those boxes, more of that money could come your way. So to, to give a, a finite price is madness because, you know, they may swing money in your direction. Right? <laughs> this, this, this happens. This does genuinely happen. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, in, in, in my, in my past life, shall we say, I used to sell like comms, telecoms and, and, and infrastructure and those sorts of things. Yeah. But of course, that budget that they think they've allocated for you now the the infrastructure widgets because if you establish what this will do for them they might pull money in from um you know perhaps traditional it could be sort of printing it could be paper it could be all sorts of things and the budget comes in your direction because you're adding value to their overall cost of ownership so to say it will cost you x is madness because it won't it won't necessarily cost them that because because you may find that your size of the pie is less so it's less but it could be more but since you say it costs x through the conversation, you've actually said X, that's what they sort of think the cost and the value is. If they're pulling budget in from other places because you're more able to hit their success with them than these other places that were going to spend the money, or yeah. not just yet, maybe they're going to spend there, but you can divert money to you, you you've just cut, you know, cut your legs off, so to speak. <laughs> uh, plus, you don't fully understand with the customer because they're now thinking money. I think as soon as you say it will cost you X, the whole conversation tends to gravitate around what you've just said. I mean, I've seen some people and they say, oh, the first one I was offering is free, first, whatever. And they haven't spoken to the customer yet. They haven't actually spoken. I know incentives are great and there's time and a place for those. But people often do this without actually needing to. And you just frame the whole conversation before you start talking around price. You set the agenda because in your mind, you put it in the customer's mind. Now, that's a very interesting statement there because this is what everybody's doing at the moment. And I'm guilty. I have many a time offered one thing or the other uh, for free. Quite often, there are free downloads associated with this podcast. So why are you saying don't give something for free? Well, I'm, I'm saying it needs to be measured because um, it, it comes down to do you think that, it's, that it, the incentive is valuable to your, the best customer you'd like to attract? Or are you just attracting somebody who wants a freebie? who never will actually buy from you. So it's understanding why typically you're going to do that. Um, 
because it's very easy to think you've got to or you must because that's that's you know clearly the way it's going to go it doesn't need to be but 11 incentive is absolutely fine but maybe um i mean i've spoken to someone it was actually a friend actually it was yesterday and uh, i didn't didn't know until i started speaking over over dinner as it turned out what what he did and part of his role was to bring um people to training um, and he said, we just can't seem to get people to come on. With it. And, the, and the results, we do this sort of mail out and it's, you know, and we're getting very, very low result. And it's like, when we put a discount in place and all of these things. And I had the similar conversation. And I said, well, well, why would they want to be on the course? And he goes, oh, because you know, they got to us. I said, no, but what, what benefit would they get from it? He goes, it's about employment. I said, but what about employment? Oh, well, they can go for a job where they earn more money. Oh, so they, they could earn more money. Yeah, tick number one. Um, and they're more employable, yeah, they can get a job easier. So, oh, so there's two distinct reasons which are benefits to the person you're trying to get. I said, I think I know what the problem is. They're not on your leaflet. You're saying it's basically cut price. They're not associating why the benefit into them that they could get. It's just missing from your, 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 your documentation, shall we call it, what, how you're presenting it out. So I'm not saying that incentives are bad, but you, what are you incentivizing someone to do? Take a freebie or to be successful. You know, I suggest you want to make them successful. That will draw the right people to you. If you want to incentivize them in addition to that, great, go ahead. You may find you don't need to. But for understanding that is quite key to incentives and price discounts and cutting and all those sort of things and, and why you do it. That's right on the nose there, actually, uh, John. Um, I used to run a training department for Eskenham Council, and I've worked with many other training departments. And you're right, there is something that's very distinctly different from what most training providers talk about. They'll talk about course objectives. So typically those course objectives are written for educational people, like by the end of this course, you will be able to define what project management is. And who cares? Who cares? You know, that is, that is not why somebody would want to go on there. We write these course objectives, think that somebody's going to want to buy this. They're not. Yeah. No. <laughs> what they want to do is to be able to, as you say, they want to be able to make money. They want to be able to find something easier. They want to build confidence. Right. You know, what are those tangible and intangible stuff that people actually care about? And this all comes right. back to, you know, the foundation of all sales, isn't it? Well, I think so. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, if you're reaching out new, because you know, perhaps an offer or something is reaching to new customers, um, you've still got to attract the people who are most likely to want to buy from you because you, you can't sell at someone, you know, realistically, that's very difficult. Or they'll be unsatisfied. Or as this, this guy was telling me yesterday, he said that they, they, they often don't turn up. Well, they didn't value it then. Well, it said they're going to rock up, but they didn't because they hadn't locked together to know the value. And by the way, they probably didn't value you as a provider because they would have come to your calls rather than someone else's. So yeah. all that we've spoken about today is actually all about actually thinking it through your customers' eyes. That is their success will drive everything in terms of your relation with them. And if you get a great relation, which is going to be good business, then you'll be successful together and they will value and happily pay you some money because that's business. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, John, I know that people are going to want to ask you more about this. If somebody wants to speak to you, how do they get in touch with you, John? Okay, um, there's two ways. I've got, I've clearly got a website, which is www.ts3, number three, ts3.uk.com. Um, alternatively, through LinkedIn, just search me under John Wallace. Um, the website's got contact details on there, of course, um, but it'd be great to meet through LinkedIn. Um, I've, 
I'd love to hear people's views. I mean, you know, I just, I'm always open to new ideas and people's viewpoints. It'd be just so great to be talking to people about this stuff because I love it. And it's going to be such great business for, for, for them to start thinking and, and change. This episode is made possible by you, the listener, and also our sponsor, WordPerfect VA. Grammar Geeks, punctuation pedants and spelling specialists, WordPerfect VA is my go-to solution for whenever I want website copy written or reviewed. In fact, you can thank them for the show notes that accompany this episode. I used to do it all myself, but now I just send them the audio and they do all the hard work for me. It's great to have someone who has a way with words when you run your own business. And like many businesses, you may rely on a website to explain what you do and the services that you offer. Your website is the front face of your business online, a virtual shop window. It's incredibly important that the first impression a potential client gets when looking at your shop window is a good one. But did you know that 85% of your website visitors' judgment is influenced by that first impression? If they spot bad grammar or poorly written content, the quality of your business will be judged just like a grimy shop window and your visitors will quickly move on to your competitor's site. If you'd like some copy reviewed for your website or publication and you're a business owner or author, check out WordPerfect VA. Visit wordperfectva.co.uk forward slash get real for your free five-page review. That's wordperfectva.co.uk forward slash get real. I think you'll agree some fascinating insights there from John Wallace. Uh, what I hope you will do is take on his message there around your pricing strategy is sometimes a comfort blanket for you and that we really need to think a little bit more broadly about the value that you offer. It does make sense to know where you're going to go in at in terms of where you fit with the competition and have a rough price point in your head because at that point you're not completely making it up. But what I took from the interview there with John is that it comes back to just having an honest and frank conversation with your prospective client about what it is that they want. And if we understand what they want and what they care about and we get some idea about how valuable that is to them, then we can vary our pricing accordingly. I know there's times in the past, particularly in the early days, when I had to pitch for one project or the other and my prices were way out, either way too high or too low. The biggest problem I had was that I was pitching cold. And you never want to pitch. You want to have a conversation. You want to have a dialogue. And I know sometimes that's hard to do if you're dealing with a big company and they just want you to uh, submit a proposal. But there is always the opportunity to find out a little bit more. Get to know and understand what your customers want and then you can price yourself accordingly. As always, I hope today you found this really useful. I want to hear from you. There are two ways that you can do this. Firstly, check out the show notes page. You'll find that at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 34. You'll find a list there of all the links mentioned in this episode. At the bottom of that page is a place that you can leave a comment. If you found this on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is, just leave a comment where you found it. That'd be very much appreciated. And what you might like to know is that I've got a Facebook group. It's called Earning the Right. If you're not there already, why not? Come and join me. John's there too. Come and tell us what you thought of the show. Give us your opinion when it comes down to pricing. Was John right? Was he not right? Did he get you to think about today? We want to know what your thoughts are. And if you've been paying attention to these last few episodes, 
I'm asking you to share a hashtag. That way I know where you've come from and that you was one of those cool people who saw it to the end. What you do matters and you're worth every penny. So when you do join me on Earning the Right, go ahead and share the hashtag, I'm worth it, because you really are. So that's hashtag, I'm worth it. The link again is on the show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 34. We'll be back next week with more great content. Until then, take care of yourself. Here's to you and your highly successful business.